I wonder if you remember this story on the 11th of December 2022. How tragic. The story of the four boys who died in Solihull. As they fell through the ice. Do you know those boys, I'm sure, set out on their day, a snowy day in a frozen lake. They set out with utter faith that the ice would hold them. Perhaps they didn't even think that it wouldn't. And how tragic uh, then that we lost four little lives. I know that's a grim way to start a sermon. But it's something similar on what Paul is talking about here. He's saying that it's all about faith. It's all about faith. But you see the concept of faith, the idea of faith. Faith, faith, faith is it's, it's pretty neutral. It's a little bit like hope. I can hope in the weather forecast. It's not good or bad. It might be right, it might be wrong. Hope. It's like tolerance. I can be tolerant of other worldviews, and that's good. Or I might be tolerant of racism, and that's bad. Tolerance in itself is neither good nor bad. It might be right or it might be wrong. Faith is neutral. The amount of faith is irrelevant. It's what faith is in that makes it good or bad, right or wrong. The object of faith qualifies the essence of faith. My friend said to me on Friday night at the sports quiz, as we were talking about the talk that Johnny gave, uh, and one of the lads around the table who's not a Christian, he said, it's good to have faith. I commend you. Good for you. It's good to have faith. And he's neither right nor wrong. Faith is hopeless if faith is in the wrong thing. But if it's in the right thing, it's utterly important. And yet we all have faith. We all have faith. The big question is, is where do we put it? And this is where Paul is driving in Romans 4. We all have faith. Where do we put our faith? Is it in our understanding? Is our faith in our health? Is it in our job? Is it in our cheerful demeanour? Paul has said that God is the God of the Jews and the Gentiles. He's one God. And both are declared righteous. The Jews and the Gentiles are declared righteous in the same way. What is that same way? 3.26. If you go uh, back one, but you won't have to uh, in your black books if you're looking. 3.26. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those Who have faith in Jesus. Faith apart from works of the law, Paul is saying. Faith in Jesus. And therefore there is no more boasting. There can't be. Because my faith has nothing to do with me and my hard work. Faith has everything to do with Jesus and what he's done. It's worth stopping For a moment and remembering who Paul is addressing. He's addressing Jews and Gentiles alike who are in the church in Rome. And yet it's obvious that there are Jewish objectors in the church in Rome. 
And yet, uh, it's, it's hard for us to feel the, the weight of Paul's argument. It's hard for, for the, the shock factor to come through. It's important that we stop and feel the weight for ourselves of, where, of the question of where is our faith? Because I think we can sit and nod and agree, as we did perhaps last Sunday. There's no more boasting. There can't be. And yet, if you're anything like me, I compare and contrast myself with others. And I I, I feel good about myself at times when I see others who are flailing in the faith. I think I've got more faith than them. I'm doing better than them as a Christian. Or or we sit and nod and say, oh, yeah, 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 I, I believe that we've been justified by faith in Christ alone. And yet, continue to to justify my right standing before God based upon how hard I'm trying, if I'm doing my best, if my Bible reading's on course, if I'm at all the church meetings that I should be. I can't help but measure my performance as a Christian. Just recently, I was talking to a friend who said these words, I'm such a rubbish Christian. And I asked, how come? How come you would say such a thing? And then, of course, they rallied off the usual things. I haven't prayed for months. My Bible reading's so sporadic. And you see, the statement, I'm such a rubbish Christian, is all predicated on their performance. All predicated upon what they're doing, rather than on what Jesus has done. Do you think Jesus died so that I could say I'm such a rubbish Christian based upon what he's done for me? Oh, you see, really, Jesus, he's rubbish, what he's done for me. Uh, of course, I, I never mean that when I say that. But, but ultimately, what I do if I say I'm a rubbish Christian is that I, 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 I base my, my justification on me and my performance what I do. So, to chapter 4. Paul is doing two things. Here's what he's saying. Faith, not in what you do. And then faith is not in who you are. Verses 1 to 8 and verses 9 to 12. There's the split. Faith, not in what you do. Uh, Verses 1 to 8. Look at 4 verse 1 with me. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? Paul is saying, remember Abraham? Of course you remember Abraham. He's the most important figure of Jewish history. He's our forefather by flesh. Of course we know him. Paul's speaking as a Jew to fellow Jews. It's evident that the Jews, therefore, believed that Abraham found God's approval on the account of his works. You see, Paul's digging the argument out. He's saying, look, I actually think that you think Abraham found God's approval on the account of his works. And in the Jews' mind, uh, perhaps in the Christian Jews' mind, those Jewish Christians who have just been converted, there's still an understanding of, of Abraham. Of Abraham being accepted by God because of his obedience in leaving 
the land, the Ur of the Chaldeans back in Genesis. Or Abraham submitting to circumcision as the sign of God's people being set apart. Or Abraham being right with God because he was prepared to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar. Do you remember? And Paul, for argument's sake, says, look, look that indeed if, if anyone could boast about such things that we've been looking at in chapter 3, then of course it would be Abraham. Abraham, the forefather of, of all faith, he's something to boast about, if, if there was anything to boast about. But of course he doesn't, says Paul. And certainly not before God, not even Abraham and not before God. It's impossible to be justified by works, justified by obedience to leave the land, justified by submitting to circumcision, justified by preparing to sacrifice his son. No, says Paul. Remember what we've been looking at, the gulf between us and God. The gulf between you and God in Romans 3. There is no one who does good. Not even one. Not even Abraham. Paul is saying to the Jews. Do you remember Johnny's illustration, the helpful one? He might be able to swim 20 metres. The challenge from the UK to the USA. You might be able to swim 20 metres across the Atlantic Ocean. You might be able to swim 200 metres. You could, if you're a first class swimmer, swim 20 miles. But you're never going to make it across. You'll always fall short. Do you know Abraham is like a 200 metre swimmer? I mean, he's far better than the rest. But he, and even Abraham, couldn't make it across the Atlantic. If Abraham was justified by works, Paul is saying he could boast, but he is not. Therefore, he cannot boast. And look in verse 3. Paul quotes Genesis 15, verse 6. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham did nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. And you might say, ah, yeah, 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 but, but he had faith. Abraham still did something. He believed. And Paul says, no. No, no, it's not his faith that saved him. It's what his faith is in. Look in verse 4. Paul describes a picture of a man receiving wages. Wages are given a result as a result of hard work. So he, he goes into this little idea. Look, let's do it. Think of your first job. Do you remember it? Mine was a paper round. You probably tell. Six mornings a week. 45 minutes every morning. 10 pounds. That's bad, isn't it? That's bad money. So I got a wage slip at the end of uh, Saturday morning. And that wage slip is an obligation, isn't it? From my employer to me. From the corner shop in my village. Given in the contract between me and the manager. There we go. Ian. Every single week, 
Now, I think on my first Saturday morning, after a week's wage and £10, I think I said, oh, thank you very much. Thank you. But after the second and the third and the fourth and two years in, I, I, I didn't thank him for my wages. Now, maybe you might think, oh, you, you should have. No, no, it, it was due to me. It was an obligation. I, I worked really hard. And in fact, when he didn't have it ready for me, uh, I, I asked, Tony, £10, where is it? It's an obligation. It is mine by right. I have done the work, and it was hard work in Carlisle in the north of England. It's mine by right. It's an obligation. Do you see what Paul is saying here? He's saying when God credited Abraham as righteous, he wasn't rewarding him as an obligation. It wasn't like he'd, he'd accrued all of that, that it was therefore his by right. He wasn't saying, Abraham, you've got so much faith. Here's my obligation to you, Abraham. No. God was simply giving him a gift utterly unmerited, not worked for, not deserved. Abraham could not boast. It's like any gift that you're given. Any gift. What percentage of you deserves that gift? If it's a gift, zero percent. I was given a gift recently. It wasn't Christmas, it wasn't my birthday. It was just a gift from a friend. Here it is. It's a good gift, isn't it? Imagine here's the gift and the person that gave the gift says this. Langs, I know how good you are on the Xbox. Your speedy reflexes and quick thinking means that I'm obliged to give this to you. That would be ludicrous. This gift is 100% the giver and 0% my contribution. What do I say? I simply said... Thanks, Vinny. Thank you very, very much. Verse 4. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. Verse 5. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Mike Cain in his sermon says, when you look at Abraham, it is not God rewarding a good man. It is God gifting a wicked man. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But it's important we get the context of Paul. He's not trying to win the theological debate. He really cares for the people in Rome. He wants them to... Get this. It's not that he's trying to be smart with his words and try and call them out. <laughs> he dearly loves them. He cares for them. Verses 6 to 8, he goes again. Look, not just Abraham, but the king of Israel too, David. And he quotes from Psalm 32, verse 1, verses 7 and 8. He says, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them as David puts pen to paper. Paul is saying, look, we've looked at Abraham. See, he's been justified not by works, not by his obedience. Of course, he's not been justified by that. It's a gift. 
He's now right with God. His righteousness is a gift to him. And look at David too. He's saying to be forgiven by God is seen as being righteous before him. This is the truest blessing. Blessed, blessed. And maybe you read this and maybe I read this at times. And and I think, shouldn't it say, blessed are those who have not sinned? Blessed are those who have not transgressed. And yet it says, blessed are those who have sinned. Blessed are those who have transgressed. God blesses the sinner with forgiveness of sins. And I think sometimes... I hate that. Now now listen me out. I hate that because I struggle to accept that it's 100% God and 0% me. I always want to try and go, no, 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 but God must have accepted me because of this. He must have accepted me because, do you know, I was a good lad. I did do all right. I have got a caring heart by nature. I like to boast. I talked about this. I I have always had a a sense of fulfilment. uh, That there's an an innate impulse in us to think that we deserve things. It's just what we deserve, I tell myself. It's like wages for our hard work. And if not my hard work, then he'll reward me for my faith. This week I've had a good week. But we've said that faith is neither good nor bad. It's the object of faith that really matters. God has gifted us. He sent his son Jesus. It's 100% God and 0% me. (coughs) Look, if you're anything like me and you become proud. Or you become downhearted. Or you become disillusioned. Or you find yourself being judgmental and critical of others. If you're anything like me, and that's been me in these last few months. I was sharing in our home group recently. That's been me. If you're anything like me, perhaps you need to come back to the very truth that your faith is 100% God and 0% you. He has done Everything as a gift through sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die in your place. So when you daydream this week, and you do, and I do, and you imagine being the best, the best sportsman or the best sportswoman, the best author, Just imagine for a moment if you were the most famous. Perhaps not many of us hope for that. Or the richest. Imagine if you were a top singer-songwriter. Or an inventor that the world knew about. Or a stock trader that could earn millions. Or an adventurer. And you daydream. Your best daydream of what you could truly be in life. Pause for a moment. See what David is saying. See what Paul is getting the Jewish converts to look back at. He's saying, look, look, look. Here's the truest blessing. The truest blessing 
from God, there is no greater. There is no greater than for your sins to be forgiven. Faith in anything else will crack and you will drown. Okay, so if Paul is driving through faith, not in what you do, then in verses 9 to 12, faith, not in who you are. Surely the Jewish objector has more questions than they do. Rhetorical question in verse 9. Look, is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Says Paul, waiting for the, the question to come. What is circumcision? It's the outward mark of God's people. A people that has been chosen. What is Paul saying? Is this greatest of blessings from God for the circumcised? For, for the Jews? And the Jews that are listening to this letter being read will shout, Yes, the greatest blessing is for the Jews. And you can see what Paul is doing. He says, well, is it also for those uncircumcised? And the Jews might shout, no, that's not what the, who the greatest blessing is for. So Paul says, well, let's go back to Abraham. Let's go again. Do you see, says Paul, that this righteous standing before God was given and received before Abraham was circumcised? It was when Abraham was therefore a Gentile. That he was declared righteous. And for the Jewish readers here and the listeners, it, it, it's shocking. It's such a countercultural argument. And for you and I, it, it, it doesn't quite wash. It isn't that shocking. No, no, circumcision was such a big thing. And therefore they go again, verse 11. So why did Abraham, the big father of faith, get circumcised at all? And Paul reaffirms Genesis 15, verse 6. And he says, and he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. See, Paul is saying circumcision didn't contribute anything. No, it's just a sign a seal of the inner reality of faith that brought salvation to him. It's a little bit like the, the Iron Man tattoo. If you've done an Iron Man, you'll probably have uh, an, an Iron Man tattoo uh, on the back of your calf. Looking around in hope that someone might have one. I'll show you mine later on uh, as we share a car. <laughs> You're already laughing, all right. I haven't got one. Gleds is probably the man who might get one in time. You see the Iron Man tattoo. It's a sign that it has been done. It's not the sign that enables you to do it. The tattoo doesn't give you superpowers to go and do the Iron Man. The sign is a seal that says, I'm part of the crew that have completed an Iron Man. God's declaration of Abraham. The uncircumcised then open the way for the declaration of salvation on uncircumcised Gentiles now. And only faith that righteousness is given by God regardless of my state. Abraham is the father of those who are circumcised and also those who aren't. Verse 12. 
It's not if you have the badge that you're accepted. That's totally an exclusive gospel. That's why we can sing the camp song, Father Abraham has many sons. I'm one of them. So are you. So let's all praise the Lord. I can't sing that song based upon what I do or based upon who I am, who you are. We are all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. All of us. If we don't trust in God for the work of Christ, we're lost. Lost. If we trust in God for the work of Christ, we're justified. It doesn't matter what your age is, how old you are. It doesn't matter when you became a Christian. It doesn't matter what church you grew up in. It doesn't matter the colour of your skin. It doesn't matter the history of your country's response to Christianity. It does not matter if your parents believed or they didn't. They believe or they don't. It doesn't matter your educational background. It doesn't matter about your financial status. It doesn't matter. What matters is what your faith is in. Friday evening at the quiz, we were asked, what is it like to be rich towards God? There's simply one answer. To trust in him. To say, you are God, and I'm not. And to be right before you is 100% what you do and not what I am able to do. I can't. Faith not in what you do. Faith not in who you are, says Paul. You see, faith on anything else, it will crack and you will drown. I hope that as we think about faith, as we've been brought to God's word, that we'll consider what we put our faith in. I think I put my faith in all sorts of things and my emotions go high and low and up and down as a Christian. Because my focus is on other things. I trust my ability or I don't. I trust how good I'm doing on my perfor- based upon my performance or not as the case may be. And Abraham's saying, look, come back. Just come back before the throne of God above. I have a plea. It's based upon what I do. It's based upon because the sinless saviour died. My sinful soul is counted free. You are justified. Declared right before God. Based upon 100% of what God has done. We're going to sing that song now to certify, to help us to remember that our faith really matters on what it's in, on how much we have, what it's in. Where does your faith lie? We're going to sing this, and as we do, we'll get the, the little ones in from junior church, and we'll prepare to remember and celebrate the truth That because the sinless saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free. Let's stand if we're able and sing this song together.